Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. With the third pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Prez. AKA at underscore Presidente Z, AKA March Madness Press, and I'm here with a special guest on a special occasion. I'm here joined by the boy wonder, Tyrese London, Strickland Scribe Extraordinaire, and we're bringing you this special Draft Strickland episode to talk about the first big board of the season that dropped a couple of days ago. You know, warrants a little bit of extra coverage. We're now in a whatever day, day three of March Madness, some shit. I don't even know. I lost track. And you know, the takes are are out. Are the hot takes are out in in full force. So uh, we'll we'll get into a little bit of the reflections of the early rounds as well. But before we get into all that, Tyrese, how's it going? Going good. I know I'm on like draft Strickland because I'm referred to as a special guest. I want to pot Strickland. This one just like roast me for like ten minutes before we start. So appreciate the love here. How's it going? We're like the Ted Lasso of Nick's podcast here. It's just positive vibes, and the only people who gets roasted are casuals. No, just kidding. Casuals are welcome as well, um, especially this time of the season. Since I'm assuming half of you people listening in. Uh, have only recently started to care about what Nick might do what or what future Nick might do what in uh, in March Madness and all that. So um, anyway, uh, yeah, special guest indeed. Before we get started, I do have to make an announcement that the Strickland does have a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. Subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this pod, every Friday that I do with Prez. It also gets you access to the Strickland Discord where we commiserate about the Knicks constantly, and we talk about other things. Uh, we like the draft, which is upcoming. Uh, you also get access to the mailbag that I do every other week with Jeremy and Drew. Furthermore, there's a $9 tier that gets you access to weekly articles by the wonderful Jack Hunley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best writers in the business, in the business they call it. Uh, and you also get access to me yelling even more about the Knicks on a solo podcast called Strick and Roll. Uh, if you want even more access to the Strickland content we produce, there are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those get you access to additional perks like watch parties, uh, listening in on pod recordings, even potentially hosting a podcast alongside us. Uh, but whether you choose to subscribe or not, your support is appreciated. None of this would be possible without you. And without further ado, let's get started. I guess the best way to go about this would be first, for, if you haven't seen the the draft big board, go to the Strickland and check it out. 
Um, we had a roundtable article that went with it. But um, we could just kind of go... Uh, we could talk first about the top guys and then kind of just popcorn about like any surprises or how some of these dudes are doing in March Madness or what might change their evals and all that. So I guess, you know, what better place to start than with the top four, everyone's favorite topic in Nick's draft world. Um, I don't think we'll get any of them, but that's probably 80% of all Nick's draft discussion anyway. So, uh, yeah, you know, on our big board, let me pull it up. Uh, Chet was number one, which is pretty divisive, I feel like, among Nick's Twitter. Um, there's different schools of, like, the people who don't like Chet the most and prefer Jabari or Jaden or Paolo or whoever. Some of them just don't buy his translation because of his frailness. Other people are just like, he might be great, but I don't want to take the injury risk. You know, where are you at on Chet? Did you have him number one? Yeah, I had Chet number one. Um, to me, it's just like, he just does so many things at a high level that it's like, sure, he's a little frail, but like, when you do, like, as much as Chet does, especially defensively, like, you take that risk I think it's really much worth it. Um, I think Jabari's been, like, the other one people talk about number one. Jabari not being able to, like, finish on twos at 6'10 worries the fuck out of me. I'm not too worried about it, but that's just because I kind of figure, like, he's 6'10, like, the dude will figure out how to be solid on twos. Like, it's... it's Uh, He'll never be amazing at it or anything, but, like, I just... This is my personal thing. Like, as a rule, if you're I think most tall most tall guys figure it out because like the RJ situation where you get a lot of shots at the rim that, that are hard. Like most guys tend to only take the layups and twos they can make. They don't have a reason to take over overly difficult twos for their skills. But I mean, it's it it has happened. Like I know Isaiah Stewart and Precious both kind of suck at finishing even though they're about Jabari's height. So like it's not impossible for them to suck. But even those guys, I would bet that they eventually figure it out. But I mean either way, like I don't know, maybe I got my head in the sand or something. But um but real quick back to chat, uh you know I think listeners should know it's a very good sign that Tyrese is in the supporter category for chat. Last time he called a prospect frail, built like Sudawudu, they turned they turned into uh, the boy wonder Tyrese Halliburton and, and had an extraordinary start to their NBA career. So you know maybe Tyrese is on the right side of the on the right side of the joke this time. Who knows? Quickly better. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but yeah, like Chet, I, I just think that at this point. I think, yeah, the Halliburton thing I learned from, like, even being frail, like, he just does so many good things at a high level that, like, sometimes you just have to, like, bank on talent. So. That's facts, man. Did you get a chance to watch uh, him versus Memphis? Oh, my God. Like, I didn't, I, get, to, I didn't I, get to watch it yet. I saw, that, was a, that was a war. That was a great game to watch, honestly. Um, especially, like, going down late down the stretch where, like, Durant had Chet in a post-up and, like, straight up bodied him. 
and then all of a sudden people want to talk about post defense. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it was hilarious to watch it in real time because like Chet absolutely flopped, but like a bunch of like armchair draft experts, unlike ourselves, are just like, yeah, you know, this is why I don't like Chet. I don't know, man. Like, he's just frail. Like, post-defense, dude. He can't defend Jalen Duran in the post. Can he defend Joel Embiid? Can he defend Nikola Jokic? And it's like, who can? That's kind of the point. Um, but, yeah. I, people can be worried with Chet with his weight. I I am team HDH. Uh, you take the 25-game suspension, you build up that weight, get to, like, 220. But, yeah. Even if he can get to, like, 210, 205, 200, like, I feel like that's one thing that hasn't been discussed is like he he's destroys people while frail. Like what does he look like when he's two hundred? You know, like where he gets to like a a more sustainable level of skinniness that that Tayshawn Prince, Nick Claxton, Kevin Durant level of frail where it's like, Yeah, you're skinny, but functionally, you know, these guys are all strong in the core and long enough that Bodying them doesn't really isn't really a great idea anyway. So like that's upside. Like for all his skills, there's like to me the 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 thing that the weight applies more to isn't really his defense. It's more his offense. I'm like if he's strong, then he can do more a little bit more power shit around the rim. I mean he's already like uh, like never misses around the rim, but like it would expand the kind of shots he could take. I feel like if he gets a little stronger. So I feel like he has a lot more upside than people. Like I, I've never heard anybody. This is weird, but like, I've never heard anybody talk about Chet's upside. Maybe it's just cause it's kind of a given. Cause he's a stretch five shot blocker or whatever in contention for number one. So it's like goes unspoken, but physically I, I think there's some upside there. And that's part of the equation for me for why I put him number one. Um, in addition to, like you said, he just has so many skills, right? Like, don't don't Tyrese Halliburton this. Just if someone's good at a lot of shit, then they're good at a lot of shit. It's really not that complicated. Like you saw it versus. I mean, I'm presuming. I'm sure he took his fair share of lumps versus Memphis, but it sounds like for the most part, you know, he didn't get turned to dust. Is that is that a proper characterization? Yeah, I mean, he fouled out, but at the same time, like he definitely gave a punch, got a punch. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, like, he's been playing against big dudes. Obviously, not Jokic and Embiid, but like, it's not like his peers have always been also skinny. Like, he's been playing the best competition in the country since he was like ten years old. So, anyway, uh, Chet number one. If you don't like it, deal with it. If the Knicks get number one, I really hope they take Chet unless there's some incredible trade-down option where they could get, like, Ivy and another number one or another top ten pick, maybe? Would you do that? Would you do... Would you do... If you got the number one and we got Chet, would you trade it for Ivy and, like, another... Like, say we jump to number one and Portland jumps... One of their picks jumps to, uh, like, four or something, and you can get Ivy. Would you give it up, or would you just take Chet? You mean, like, Ivy in the future first? No, 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 Ivy and, like, another pick in this class, like, the top ten. Mm, I think I'd do that, actually. I think yeah. I would. Yeah. If it, if it was a future first, I don't know, because, you know, that could be, like, 20 or some shit. But right, yeah. 
the top ten, and you're talking about like Ivy and that could be Durin, that yeah. could be Matherin. Yeah, that could be like Ivy and Eason. Yeah, and, like I would take that. Yeah, it's you know we got the roster crunch, the the backlog of young players, but just from a value standpoint, I'd have to seriously consider it. I don't think Ivy's going to be better than Chet, but Ivy's damn good in his own right. So, uh, like, um, I think to yeah. me, like, number one in the draft is like number one is number one, but like it's like one two for me, and then it's like one two small gap three four. Yeah, it's like it's not like let's say twenty eighteen, but like Zion is just like lapping a field. Yeah, um, like number one, number two. Like, actually, number one to number three, because I think Paolo's four. But, like, number one to number three in this draft, are like, fairly close to me. Did you have... So, in, in the cumulative, in our big board, we had Ivy, two. I know he was number two for me. Was he two for you? Oh, yeah, he was two for me. Are I, you... I love Ivy, man. I love him. Are you worried? What are you worried most about with him? Anything? Or not really? <laughs> nah. I, I'd like to shoot him. I think he has, like, the passing vision. Like, I think he's just going to make everything. He's going to put everything together. Like, it might take a year. But, mm-hmm. like, I think he just puts everything together soon. Like, fairly soon. I think by, like, year three, year four, he's definitely, like, fringe all-star. He's, to me, the the kind of guy where, like, I don't... I don't think the Knicks are good enough to really... Like, if you told me, like, the Knicks aren't good enough to do anything other than take VPA, best player available, you wouldn't really get much pushback from me. But I do use it when guys are close, like Jaden and Jabari are for me. I do sort of use that a little bit as a tiebreaker. And he would just slot in so seamlessly that I think it would be really... Like the conditions for him to develop into a good player are on the Knicks are more easily available than they are for Jabari. Not that Jabari's some like hard to fit player. He's a he can fit anywhere because his skill set is so like transferable. But Ivy he slots in and immediately get will get his downhill reps, his on ball reps, because we need more players who can do that. He'll get plenty of off ball rep shooting because all of our shooting guards, you know, will inevitably get some of that. So like you know there's not there's a log jam of guards, but in terms of that kind of guard athletic that goes downhill, there's really not any overlap with any of our guards. So uh, I think the fit, it's just easy, man. And then it sounds corny, but like the kind of guard he is would just be fucking fire in the garden, man. <laughs> we, we need a tween hezier in the garden. We, we need a tween hezier who can just <laughs> drop hammers on people. Yeah, we haven't had that since shit. Jr. Oh, Jr. Jr. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like Jr. When he was on his shit. Right, the sixth man of the year, Jr. <laughs> yeah, the next year was not pretty, but yeah, like I think he, he fits the city. Like, yeah, I definitely think that like part of the calculus for like this team is like, do you fit the city? Like, we like a little flair, a little dramatic. Like, I will. I would, like, defend the Obi Toppin pick to the ends of the earth, even if it doesn't turn out the way I want it to be, because, like, at the end of the day, he fucking, when he dunks, it feels like something special. So. It's funny, all the top, all the top three guys, I could very much picture, and even Paolo to a lesser degree, but mostly the top three guys, I can really see them fitting 
the Knicks and New York personality wise. Jaden, just because he's like you said, he's cross between hezzy, stare at the camera, like charismatic. You know, he's not the type to get shook. He's the type to relish it. Multiple game winners. Has grew up around the uh, around the sport or in the game, so that's just not going to be a shocker to him, right? Chet been in the limelight, the, his whole life. You know, he's ice cold. He's just like unfazable, pretty much. Like I, I remember, I saw some some reporter asked him if he ever feels pressure and he's like, nah, man, paying pressure is like paying the bills and not being sure how. And I was like, Oh, chess built like that. Okay. <laughs> and then Jabari, you know, he's really a, he doesn't have the cross tweens and the dunk. Well, sometimes I shouldn't say that because he caught a body in his, uh, in the last game in the Auburn's first game of the tournament. But like, he definitely talks the most shit out of like everybody in the top 10. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, man, like, flair for the dramatic, fit the ethos. Like, I think that's why everybody looks quickly. Like, I think Sidney, like, really embraced quickly when he came because he was just like, oh, this guy is just going to, like, do shit and be fearless and, like, does not care. And he'll, like, wet your face up with a three and then, like, taunt you on the way back. Yeah, Obi, Obi and, and quickly are, like, fearless in, like, a wholesome way, not like a. Yeah, <laughs> like, like they might like, like, I feel like they're the types that like once they hit 28, they'll like destroy some rookie and then like pat them on the butt or something like that. <laughs> you know, what I mean, they're not going to be like fake mean or like, oh, I'm a clap in your fucking face. Like, that's what Jabari's like. Jabari will hit a three and then just be like, this is my house, you bum. Like, get out of my face or whatever. That quickly will, like, cross you up and then give you a bubble verse on the way back. Like, exactly. Corinthians 314. Like, <laughs> He'll probably pull down the shooting sleeve and just have it there for you or whatever, tat it up. Um, Alright, so that was the, the top three. I mean, if I ain't even gonna be picky. Like, if, if we get one of them, I'll be fucking happy. There'll always be some what if. If the Knicks are in a position to complain about what ifs regarding this, then that means something good will have happened. So uh, I'm not, I'm not really tripping, you know, in terms of strong opinions. But I do have my opinions. And the fourth one, the next group um, is Paolo, Shaden, and AJ. And this is where I think. I don't I don't know where the consensus is at on Paolo, but I feel like he's the perfect example of where do you draw the line between a, a Nick specific board? Well not where do you draw the line, but like how do you use team specific roster crunch concerns that might impact drafting a premier talent and, and is it is there a line where it becomes where BPA just isn't feasible. And Paolo's kind of squarely there because we have OB and we have Julius, right? So, like, that has to impact the calculus, doesn't it? Yeah, I think you have to, you have to consider Julius Banchero's fit on this team. Uh, okay, I'll just say it. Julius Randle and Paolo Banchero are doing the fucking Spider-Man meme. Like, I, they're very similar. They're very similar. Like, um, you watch fucking, like, Banchero can't back down guards. I'm like, ha, oh, who does that remind me of? <laughs> like, I, I think Paolo, like, uh, he's talented. Like, if you get him, you get him, great. I wouldn't complain. But, like, man, that's a, that's a tough fit. 
Yeah, you just have to do so much. And this is like a nerdy way to describe it, but there's always, I feel like in the NBA, when, when you have to make, when you have to quickly shape a roster around young guys, there's going to be transaction costs. Like you're never going to get the full value because you're not trading. You're not trading some, someone out of demand. You're trading someone out of necessity. And I mean, there could technically be demand. Like I'm sure plenty of teams are like, Oh, oh yeah, I bet we could get them to shoot a corner three at 35% or whatever. But like, at the same time, other teams are going to be like, they got to trade one. So we have the Knicks by the balls here, right? Whether it's getting a better deal on a Julius move or getting a better deal on a Obi move or both. Fuck it, right? Like, I mean, it's just a tricky, tricky situation. And and unlike unlike other ones, it's a tricky situation that you would have to resolve sooner rather than later. So there would be pressure, right, to deal with that pretty soon, I think. I mean, I think the pressure is this offseason. Yeah. Like, it's it basically this offseason. Especially if you extend Cam, it, it's this yeah. offseason. So, they got to figure out, like, which one they're going to move. I would assume they probably move Obi. Because, like, especially if you bring back Tibbs. Mm-hmm. Like, at that point, what is Obi doing for you? I'm like, yeah. so that's on the postgame part. I'm like, he's giving you the blueprint of what he thinks of Obi for two straight years. If you bring him back a third year, you understand what's going to be his role next year. And you understand that, like, the small ball is never going to happen because, like, he's playing RJ at the four and Cam at the four before he's playing Obi at the four. Like, in a small ball lineup. So, what do you do? And what do you do is usually, like, just at that point, just go, all right, some cost. We're not going to be able to, like, make him pop. And, like, after the third year, we're definitely not going to extend him. So, yeah. Do you think Boncaro would be sealed to the same fate, or do you think he's a little bit bigger enough that Tibbs might be willing to throw him at the five more? I mean, he's going to probably be sealed to the same fate because, like, if you get, like, uh, even Julius from this year and last year, that's a fringe all-star level player, and, like, mm-hmm. what do you do with Bankero? Because, like, they have the same skill set. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Bankero is not, like, a shooter, and, like, they basically do the same things in the same spots on offense. It just feels like it's such a weird fit. Like, if Julius is going to be on this team, then, like, you cannot invest, like, another top 10 pick into another footwork who, like, doesn't really give you much as a defensive five and who can't really stretch the floor. It just, I, I just would, like, would not try to, like, get Don Carroll on this team unless you were getting rid of Julius. Yeah, if they were in a position to draft him, like, say they pick fourth and Ivy, Jabari, Cheddar off the board, then I really hope they would figure out a, a way to trade down a spot or two or three or four or whatever to get somebody else who they loved. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully that's what happens if, if they're in that position. Um, speaking of trading down, uh, one guy who we still don't know if he's eligible or not. Um well, let's talk about these two guys together. Let's talk about Shaden and AJ Griffin. Um, on our cumulative boards, they were five and six. Where where were they for for you? Uh, I think I had Shaden four. Yeah, I had Shaden four. I had Griffin seven. I so, no 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 sorry. I had Shaden three. I had Griffin five. 
So I think you might have been the highest on shading out the whole crew. Why do you, why why do you love him? We don't even know who he is. I've watched too much EYBL tape. Um, you've seen it. You've seen enough. <laughs> I, I six 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 seven like six five to six seven hyper explosive guards who could like mash the rim and like definitely has a step back game or kind of like my jam. And like I just buy the upside, man. I buy the upside. I think he has a lot going for him. I buy the strength. I buy like the hand. Like the people are like shaking the handle. I think the handle is good. I think he's at a good weight already. He's already two hundred pounds. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's probably like closer to two ten now. Um, yeah, man. Just I think when you're that good of a shooter, I think he was like thirty seven percent in EYBL if I remember top, top of my head, like thirty six, thirty seven percent. And it's like that's good. I think the free throws were solid as well. Like. Explosive athletic finisher. I think you just like have all the tools to put it together. Like him, you, like he feels like a little lesser of a Jaden Ivy, in a sense, or like maybe a little less of a passer, but like equal explosion. I remember, like Ivy's a little bit than a year older. Um, but yeah, is the rim stuff just is the rim stuff what uh, puts him ahead of Jabari for you? Yeah, I, I just finishing is. Huge man, I, I. You've been traumatized by years of Nick's finishers sucking. Even <laughs> fucking Julius, for all his skills, is like I'm not a great finisher. <laughs> like for, I, I have seen too many smoke layups. Like I watched fucking Loyola and like, uh, oh, who, what team was it? Who played Loyola first round? Ohio State, and I was just like, I watched blown layup after blown layup, and I'm like, it gave me hives, man. I cannot do any more blown layups. Triggering. <laughs> But yeah, like I just, I just like when you finish well and you shoot well, I just feel like there's always going to be like a good enough floor for you. So, with Shaden, I just feel like he has the skills in order to make it work. And you take that over Jabari's like size on defense, kind of that versatility. I just feel like with Jabari, there's like how many six ten guys in the league finish as bad as he as he does, and like stick. It just feels like there's a really good chance he's like Laker or Gallo. I mean, Laker or Gallo with defense. That's an all star. Laker or Gallo with defense? Like, you talk about like OKC, Laker or Gallo, or like Atlanta Hawks, Laker or Gallo? Which one are you talking about? (laughs) I'm talking Atlanta Hawks, Laker or Gallo. Like, not this year, but last year. I mean, maybe I don't know how he's playing. He's still like 43, 40. Yeah, 90 it, from the line? Uh, yeah, like 43, 40, let's say like 82, 83. But yeah, the volume dropped off. Yeah, and like, let's say two stocks a game and like 15, 16 points. Like, that's a solid player. Like, that's a good player, don't get me wrong, but I don't some of you are like, that's an all-star. Like, I think that's an all-star if he gets like more volume. And he's mm-hmm. like, but like, I don't know if you ever get that volume. So. Yeah. That's interesting. Gallo... Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, he, Gallo's an instructive thing. I'm looking at his BREF page right now, and uh, his threes for per 100 um, in the Hawks' years have been right around 10 11. And he hasn't taken that many field goals per 100 compared to actually. Let me see here. Last year, he took 19 field goals per 100, which is right around as... That's as high as pretty much any season. So it was just a matter of minutes going down, I guess. So 
but yeah, I I guess the thing you look for with Jabari, and this seems kind of silly, but like he has to just figure out a way to manufacture more shots because if he's gonna like it's good to take all those threes, but like you you just need he's such a good shooter, you just need him to shoot more shots. This was this was the crazy thing about guys like Dirk. You know, they were they figured out ways to just it, it's acceptable for them to take that many mid range shots um in high volume. So that's what uh Jabari is like he's great from the mid range, which is the good thing, but he's gonna have to really lean into lean into that and then that's where you get your question of like, all right, if he's taking all of these shots from the mid range, even if he is a beastly player, like how far does that get you, right? Yeah, like just like how far does it get you if you're just gonna be like a really good shooter, but like once you get five feet and in, people know that like okay, you can't really deal with five feet and in. Like he basically needs to like assume usage. He needs to assume a lot of usage and needs to be smart with it and he needs to put himself in a position to like be more of a scorer. And like I think he can do it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does it just like mainly like a three point attempt rate of like five hundred. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking at Dirk, and in the prime of his career in Dallas, his shots from zero to three feet, the frequent, the the percentage of his field goals of his field goals from that distance are like from like fifteen to eighteen, which is really low for a star player. But then you look at his long mid range, and it's you're talking like upwards of fifty, sixty percent of his shots and obviously this was back in the day and if he was playing now he would shoot more threes so you would get more usage out of the you know from the threes but um it's one of those things where like jabari he can fit anywhere but uh, whoever picks him to get the most out of him is really gonna have to like encourage him to be a little bit of a chuck yeah in a good way yeah which is Weirdly, like, don't get me wrong, I would take Jabari on the Knicks, but I don't know if Tibbs would want to do that at first. And that's even without getting into, like, all right, if you get him, do you punt Obi and Randall? Right? (laughs) Just stop. That makes my head hurt. Like, think about, like, three forwards, who do you choose? I'm choosing Jabari and RJ. And punting the other two to the sun, but I mean, again, that would be a good problem. Not to mention, like you have to think about it. Like, can Jabari and Randall play together? I'd say yeah. Um, Jabari can play with Randall yeah. or with RJ. Like he played with anybody because like, yeah. he's just he's just a six ten four who could realistically like assume the five and six spots and shoot the lights out. So, like, I think he's probably like of the top three guys. He probably. Like, I don't know, Chet, Chet, what am I saying, Chet? Uh, but yeah, like, he's definitely a really good fit in this team, but... Make it's him, just the roster yeah, it's just stuff like, that's shaky. It's just like, us, like giving him the minutes that he deserves, and like, putting him in position to succeed, probably is going to require a better coach than Tibbs, but you have Tibbs mm-hmm. on the roster for at least the first year of his development, and not like a half year, of a, a full year, so... Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned AJ, and I think... You had him seventh, which is a hair lower than everyone. Um, are you worried that he's just a shooter? Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
I'm not sure if he's going to be like this. And like, if he's just a shooter, that's fine. Like, if well, he, yeah, that's that's the natural follow-up question. Is like, okay, what is just a shooter AJ look like? Yeah, like, oh, he's going to shoot forty percent from three. I'm like, good volume and like be a really good finisher and be like solid enough at free throws to the point where you're like, you know what? He just does everything at a really high level while playing like decent defense. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, like if he's just a shooter, I'm okay. With That's that. not disappointing yeah. for a top ten pick, though. Dude, outside of the top five, you get anything that's like resembling a really high end like role player to like a star, I'll take it. Like, I like you'd be happy if AJ Griffin. You wouldn't be disappointed if AJ Griffin turned into like Black Doug McDermott. Uh, all right, all right. I'd say like, oh no, okay, okay. Like, he's oh, good. He's good. Yeah, but Doug McDermott is good. I don't know Doug McDermott's stats now, man. <laughs> Doug, he's, you don't. I know. I'm surprised you don't know off the top of your head. He's really good. 60 TS yeah, movement okay. shooting, yeah, yeah, all yeah. that shit. I know, I know. But I'm saying like the volume. If he was just like, if he did that in more volume, then like I'm okay with that. If he was like, let's say, 15, 16. If he was like McCall Bridges, like. A little bit more scoring, a little worse defensively. McCall Bridges, I feel like you're happy with that. Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy with that. I I feel like the good thing with AJ is he's not. It's not. I mean, all of these guys going to the league were the man at some point in their youth career, whether it was high school or college or both. But I don't think you have the the Frank problem, and you know, to a lesser degree, what we've seen with Deuce. On the on the big league Knicks, which is like the tr- trouble dialing up the usage. I don't. I want to say that AJ will be able to dial up the usage in the NBA because he's been the man in a really serious way before he came to Duke. Kind of like Cam, but you hope he can actually dial up the usage in a productive way, unlike Cam. So. But even saying that out loud, I'm still, I don't know. I feel like Coach K still got me a little shook that, that you know, he's hes not going to be able to turn. Because that's what everybody always assumes with a lot of these guys like, you know, Okoro or whoever. It's like, oh, yeah, they'll score a zillion points. They're efficient right now. Imagine what they'll do with more shots. But, like, you can't just produce more shots out of thin air, right? You got to have a player who, who goes after that shit. Even Obi, it's like, you know. He doesn't really, he does what he's told, which is good, but you want him to go after it a little bit more. It, it's it's a very tricky line to walk for a rookie, is what I'm saying, or a young player. So I, I would be a little, I mean, I would still love to have A.J. Griffin because his ceiling crazy, but like, I'd be a little, a little nervous. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. You cust- new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the college hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round? And who will hit the most three-pointers? Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college troops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus 
Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. If you or someone else you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. That's for Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP, that's for Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. For Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777. Visit httpccpg.org slash chat. For Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF. That's for Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP-7. And or text seven eight six seven or sorry that's seven eight six seven uh, for Louisiana eight seven seven eight Hope NY or text Hope NY four six seven three six nine New York. Visit opgr.org for Oregon. Call text TN call or text TN Redline one 9789 Tennessee or one eight eight five three two thirty five hundred for Vermont. Twenty one plus eighteen or over in New Hampshire or Wyoming must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Vermont, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See httpdraftkings.com slash sportsbook for details. Obi was the man, the man. Like, you could be yeah. any more of the man than Obi. Like, best college <laughs> player, like, on the mid-major like he's older, he's an older rookie as well. So like pe- people know, like older players usually have like seniority. And he came to the next, he was shook. Like and layman says he was shook. So we'll see. But yeah, like I, I just think with AJ, it's just like the floor is just so much higher. And if he ever gets like, if if there's ever a coach that's just like, you know what, dude, we'll let you take like 16 shots a game. I feel like you could. I feel like you could do that though. I feel like a lot of them probably be threes. I feel like I've that, yeah, I feel like I've yeah. seen that on like a lot of people. I'm just like, a lot of them could be threes. But like, I'm okay with him taking a lot of threes because he's such a good shooter. And the good thing is he, he doesn't have to rely on other people for his threes. That's the important thing. Even though he looks like he's fucking earthbending when he shoots. But like... Exactly. Like Mikhail, for example. It's a good, exa- it's a good example. Mikhail, he doesn't really self-create his threes. Miles Bridges... Is probably there's probably some Miles Bridges in like the blueprint. Wait, he's obviously nowhere near the same athlete Miles is, but like how Miles now. Last year, you saw him develop the perimeter game, and now he's kind of developed how to mold that with the interior game, and his handles have improved tremendously in his year in his couple years in the league. So that that trajectory, I think. It's probably the wave. And similarly, like, Miles is a damn good shooter now, so that's also a similarity. Like, we're trying to think of, like, his shooting is going off this year, but, like, he's a better shooter. Yeah, I think he's shooting, like, 32%. Oh, yeah, I didn't even realize. 32 from three, 80 from the line. He was so he was shooting so well in the beginning, though. I don't know what happened, but I get your check point. splits. Yeah. And my the, miles like, of my, the miles of my memory from earlier this year. That's who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, so where is, let me see here. Post All-Star. Oh, it's only been 11. I forget pre and post All-Star. Not even like a close to even split. So that's yeah, not the Super Bowl. But um, yeah, like last year he was 40% from three. And I was like, all right. Like, that's sustainable. 
But now he's like a 23 scorer, and now it's like, oh, the three-point shooting has gone down. But, like, he's still a really good finisher, so, like, he can get by with it. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, something, some some weird Bridges hybrid. I would take either anything in that family tree from AJ. I'd be super happy with that. Um, the next guy on the uh, on the big board. Uh, well, then let's talk about the next four. Actually, no. Let's talk about this next guy by himself, Johnny Davis. Another divisive guy. Um, you had him. Uh, uh, right after AJ, some people are a little bit worried about him. They worry about his efficiency, and you know he's similar to RJ in the sense that you're not worried about him generating shots, but you're worried about him generating efficiency through those shots. Is that some like? Do you think it's it's pretty much? because he has to be the man on Wisconsin and there's always like 10 defenders in the paint or do you think like, well, I don't know where the easy shots come from for him in the NBA. Like which, which school of thought are you? <laughs> but I'm like, how does this dude scale down? The what? Like, we talk, like, I don't know how this dude scales down. We talk about a lot about like how people scale up. How do some dudes scale down? I mean, don't most college players really come to the NBA and scale down? I mean, I'm talking about, about, talk about like high level picks who you're basically like we're pairing, Word. like we're pairing you to be the man. Like Robert Covington can scale down. I know that. Like Robert Covington was the man. George Hill was the man. Like mm-hmm. I get that, but like Johnny Davis is the man, and he's gonna go to the team where like he's probably gonna be like the man, if not one of the men. And like, how does he just like do the off ball little shit? I don't know. Like, it might be a quickly situation where it's like this dude just like gets off ball, and he kind of needs to dribble it once before pulling, just to like simulate like he like he would dribble it for ten seconds with shot clock. It's weird. His synergy. Uh, it's a small sample, so it's probably noise. But like his catch and shoot numbers aren't great, and. The guard, but one thing that I noticed was there was a heavy guarded versus unguarded split. And again, you're talking very small samples here, so it could be nothing. Um, it's one of those things where I could actually see that mattering a little bit because of his shot mechanics. Just he, I, I do think he's a better shooter than his statistics indicate, but the way he shoots is kind of a like lower shot, similar to quickly and. Unless you're a bomb ass shooter, like quickly, then that means contests might impact you more, right? On um, which is the converse of someone like Grimes, which you see all the time. Contests don't really matter to him; they're he might as well not be there. So, I could like it's one of those things where it, it, it's I'm not I I am confident that they can get and that an NBA team can get him to trade some of those middies for threes, but he's going to need to get comfortable shooting under pressure from three. That's going to be the tricky part because as much as he's used to dealing with crowds, he does it on his terms in the mid range. Someone like deuce, he traded in a bunch of middies for threes, or at least in Westchester, since he doesn't get any fucking minutes under Tibbs. Um, But he's also has a pretty high and pretty quick release. So he's not, super bothered by contest. I mean, he doesn't, it's not like Grimes or anything and he's short, but um, anyway, I feel like that's, there's definitely going to be 
a little more translation questions as he works off ball. I mean, any smart team would would be due to get him some on ball reps just because he's really good at it or whatever, especially in the pick and roll. But yeah, I mean, I, not that I would, not that it makes him some sort of terribly flawed prospect. It's just something. I'm just looking for places where guys could trip up on the Knicks, basically. <laughs> yeah, like, everybody's going to trip up the Knicks, dude. It's Tom Hoot, though. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I really do not know how he just, like, adjusts to, hey, I'm not going to have the ball for, like, a couple of stretches. And, like, how does he react with that? How does he deal with, like, doing a lot more off-ball stuff? And, like, you only get the ball... Are you, you're only going to get the on-ball reps that you want if you're cooking. And I don't know if he's going to cook a lot his rookie year. Yeah, not on the Knicks. Like, even if, say they consolidate and free up some minutes for him, you know, guards get traded, whatever. Um, you know, presumably RJ and Julius are still here, so he's definitely behind those two. He's probably behind the point guard, whoever it is, to some extent. So he's looking at being the fourth-ish, third or fourth-ish player on the court in terms of offensive pecking order at any given time. So it's it's one of those things where like he's going to have to figure it out. And it's it's tricky. But if he can develop that part of his game, and then, then, he, then he becomes a player who you can scale up or down with different roster configurations, which I think does have some sort of appeal like there's definitely a, u- a utility to guys like grimes who yeah you know I'm, they're they're there to be low usage and high efficiency or whatever but like it's similar to someone like fournier in theory where except Don- johnny davis is good at defense right and not as good a shooter obviously but in terms of being able to play different roles like oh i could cook with the bench and be the guy or play with the starters and play off ball like blah 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 i think my counter to that would be like you look at someone like Grimes, who, again, I think he'd probably fill that role pretty well if you give him an opportunity to. Like, he could definitely be the, the low shit down in the starting lineup, and then, like, with the bench, he could definitely take on, like, let's say middle usage, not even high usage, and just be like, I'm going to get my shots up, I'm going to do my stuff with the dribble. Like, does he, does uh, Johnny Devins fit here when you have a Grimes? I mean, th- to me, I guess I just think he can do, he's going to be more dynamic off the dribble than, than Grimes is, so, I mean, We'll see. I hope Grimes develops that. That would make him amazing. <laughs> but right now, like, if you had to ask me, who do I trust more to score using a screen and dribbling? I would say Johnny Davis. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Um, although, by the same token, you could just say, like, all right, Grimes, if you get a screen, just shoot a three. <laughs> yeah, like, I just feel like with Grimes, you could definitely just tell him, like, we know you shoot a lot. We know you shoot a lot. Can you shoot more? And I think he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah why not? Like, His threes per 100 is down compared to college. So um, as crazy as that is. Which I is think weird. Like, well, it's because no, like, less of the offense. Sure, but like, even like, I think it was like pre, I want to say like pre-All-Star break, or maybe like a month before the All-Star break, he was still pulling. Like I remember like that game on Christmas, like he took like 14 threes in like 22 That's minutes. True. Like, I think he's gotten a little, a little bit more hesitant, which is weird. Because like, I thought he would be the one guy who's like, I'm not hesitant at all. Because like, all I need to do is shoot threes. And Thibodeau, quote unquote, loves threes. But yeah, like I, I don't think that'll be low. I don't think it'll be that low for long. So I'm not worried about that. 
Word. Let's talk about your boy who came in uh, eighth on the Knicks big board. Um, yeah. Benny, Benny Matherin, who is, is doing his thing out here. Arizona's looking great. Yeah. Where did you have him? Uh, Adam. Seven, honestly. Uh, so, so listeners, I think t- even though all of us pretty eight, much had eight. Benedict in the seven, eight, nine range, I can tell you that Tyrese is probably highest on him out of the whole crew. I had him, I had him like eighth, and I had him eighth because I wanted to be fucking, I wanted to be like realistic, <laughs> but like I love me some Matherin, dude. I love me some Matherin. I told you he could fucking pass. Okay, so nice. like for for context, like I remember telling friends like early in college basketball season, I'm like, Matherin can pass, and he's like, oh, that's it, that's it. I'm like, watch him, he can pass. And now he's running, now he's running pick and roll. Like it, it doesn't show up in the in the box that yeah. much. So that's what I get for yeah. not watching much Arizona uh, until later in the year. <laughs> yeah, I was like, like that dude made me watch U19. <laughs> I fucking hate U19. But um, yeah, man, like. I I love me some Benny Matherin, man. Like I I see a lot of honestly I see Grimes with like more, more more passing touch, less like worse defense, like slightly slightly worse defense, but way more passing touch, um, explosiveness as well. Like he's an athlete. Like the dude can get up. Like he's not much of a. I think he's more from more of a uh, positional defender than he is like uh, an offender narrator like Grimes. But mm-hmm. the dude the dude is just he's so good, man. Like. He's so and he's good. big enough that you can you can play him up a little bit if you need to. Yeah, like, like if you like if you needed a lineup with you know if RJ needed a rest and you needed to put like Grimes, you could put a point guard Grimes Matherin on the floor with Julius and be fine. Yep. Yep. Like if they keep this pick, which I don't think they will. Like if they keep this pick and they can get Matherin, you get Matherin. Like I'd argue probably like the best fit outside of the non. Top four. Like I just think like somebody like Matherin just makes a lot of sense in this team. Just because we don't have anybody in the connectory quick passing kind of mold. Yep. Like he just like can make the right decisions. I just like when you can make the right decisions, be tall and shoot. Like you'll get a hundred million dollars in this league, and you'll like and dunk <laughs> and, and dunk too. Like. I was, I was gonna say, aren't you worried about him shooting twos? But he's really not even bad at twos because he gets so many easy layups and dunks because he's so athletic. And and that's just the that's the difference when you're athletic is like, and we're just not used to it as Knicks fans because if to us like being a good two point scorer, of course you have to be able to hit hard shots because nobody else is gonna get a bunch of dunks on our team aside from the centers. So we kind of forget, or at least I forget that like, oh yeah, you could just. If a defender makes a mistake or plays lazy once, you can get a dunk for free. Like, it's very easy. But you have to be able to dunk. Yeah, like, I think what we saw with Cam, like, in this small sample size, where he basically was just, like, shooting fit, like, insanely at the rim. Or, like, he just got, like, a dunk every game because he just had, like, active hands, good defense. He was doing, like, 58% of series before he got injured. Yeah, he's been very efficient with the Knicks. Yeah, like, he was, he, he was the same efficiency that he was in Atlanta. And, like, he was shooting, like, shit. From three, so yeah, he just cut out the bad mid ranges and yeah. replaced it with threes and shot close close to the rim shots. Like he finally learned. I thought he like Cam was more involved a good player, but uh, yeah, like you look at someone like that, and I think like someone like Matherin could fit that role really, really nicely. 
And I take it you're of the belief that, like, you know, you can't have too many of those guys who are tall nope. and athletic and nope. can play D and shoot. Nope. Rafael will get minutes on this team by year two. Like, if he if they draft him, he'll get minutes, minutes on this team post-consolidation if he's on the roster still. Yeah. But right. I could see that. Yeah. It's almost a different category of guard than, like, the the smaller guards that we have, who are all talented, but, like, because they're smaller, there's just the easy stuff isn't as easy because they're smaller. So, like, you're not going to get as many easy layups and shit. Like, Cam, for all his flaws, will just run into some easy layups just because he's so huge. Huge with incredible hands and quickness. Yeah. Like, I don't know nothing about the quickness, but, like, he has the ability to just, like, get get shots. Easy shots. And, like, the team sucks at generating easy offense. It's true. Like, very we true. are bad at it. Like, how many times do you see us get a steal, turn that into just, like, a breakaway slam? Really? <laughs> That's the really the sales pitch with Mather. It's boring, but, like, getting easy shots for himself through cutting, through transition, and through being athletic, and then helping get easy shots for others through his passing, like, it's a, it's a boring. What's a food that that is generic but just reliable and good? I don't know. It's fucking apples. scrambled eggs or apples. Sure, whatever. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's the apples of wings. We're just like he does everything well. He's also athletic and like. We don't got no apples on this team. Yeah, like Cam was an apple in theory, but you find out he's just like applesauce. <laughs> like exactly. Benedict Mathurin is an apple. <laughs> if we get them, I'm gonna call them apple and applesauce. <laughs> Or, or apple and saucy apple. Um, uh, I just want to see that lineup on. That'd be such a good lineup to watch. Like Grimes, Mather, and Cam. Like, I need it. Just give me like a bunch of long boys who could just like clamp up two to four and. Right, fuck it. Put RJ. Let yeah. Let him one point. Yeah. Speaking of downhill, uh, I want to talk about number nine on our list. Um, we're going long, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make a decision and just. We can talk about a couple of the guys and uh, after this, and then and then wrap it up. But um, yeah. So number nine on our board is probably the biggest difference between our board and I would say other big boards that you'll see um, that aren't team specific. And it's very interesting because number nine is Tari Eason, and we've already talked on this episode about how kind of annoying it is to have to do heavy roster reconstruction for a pick who is not a game changer. And if you get Tari, that's, you kind of have to do that. Right? Uh, uh, I don't or am think I so. chipping? I don't no? Think so. Why not? He's, he's a power forward. I mean, he's a 3-4. He can play the 3, he can play the 4. He's just, a, he's just a forward. Like, I don't think you have to do as much roster reconstruction because, again, he's a solid enough shooter. He can defend through the 4. He's also, like, a very good defender. I feel like if it was someone like, uh, let's say, Sochan, that, like, mm-hmm. maybe you have to do more roster reconstruction, but, like, with Tari, he just, like, does everything well enough. You can play him off ball, you can play him on ball, you can play him next to Julius. Uh, like, he just, he's just solid. Like, I, I think there's a world where, like, you could maybe see, like, a Tari Ethan small ball five. I want I, I to see what his wingspan comes in at, but he certainly has the the hands and yeah. athleticism. Yeah, it wouldn't be surprised if he has, like, a seven one seven two wingspan. If he has that, then, like, yeah, I buy the Tari Ethan. Um, I bought the Tari Eason small ball five, but yeah, like he just 34, 34, potentially five. Like 
Again, like, I think any draft pick they take out of the top four, if they keep it, is probably going to wait a year. And like him and Westchester, where he just gets to learn how to like do the little things, like passing, like being able to just like run for the rolls. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would like it. I would like it. I don't like LSU's offense. It's very ugly. They don't really <laughs> have good guards at all. <laughs> God, you, you need good guard play in, G1 in college. In D1. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's brutal. As good as their defense is, like, it does, I didn't fill out a bracket, but I 100% what would have happened was I would have, my love for Tari would have, like, overcame my sense of realizing, yeah, this team is great, but has no guards, which is, like, RIP in the tournament. So. I would have just fucked my bracket totally by banking on Tari. Because um, he did his thing in the first game, but uh, his team, his teammates didn't, and uh, they got bounced f- as a result. Um, yeah, I mean, he's... If you consider him more of a... Th- like a like a wing who could plug different positions, plug holes, or whatever, then, then I would... Then I think that's a really good reason to not worry about... Uh, the positionality and the roster crunch and all that. Why do you think we as a group are so much higher on him than other folks? Because having a wing who can shoot on the scene to back up Julius is like a godsend, and you know they can play together. Um, yeah, that's true. We haven't seen that. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen that because, like, again, I don't, Tibbs is just OB shooting, and I think that that's, like, the main reason why they don't play together as much because, like, it's really just shooting, but um, yeah, you think but, if Obi was shooting better, he would get more minutes. Absolutely, because at that point, like he would do the things that Tibbs wants him to do. When he puts him, like when he tells him, like fill the corner. All right, you can fill the corner. You can shoot confidently there. I keep playing next to Julius now for offense. Do you think if he was doing that job admirably, he would be allowed to occasionally do more in general? Yeah, I really just think a lot of this comes out to the shooting. That's interesting. I think, I think Tim has I, a weird premium on shooting, even though, like, this team is so iffy on shooting. Like, the thing is, like, this is a decent shooting team. Yeah, they're not really iffy. They're just, like... Inconsistent. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. And the shooting um, doesn't come from, like, the premium positions on, like, a 4-5. or five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if... Because <laughs> there's a lot of people who, who I'm sure believe, like... And, and I don't even know where I stand, to be honest. Where If Obi shot his threes... Tibbs would be like, okay, cool. You do that for your 15 minutes, and then that's it. <laughs> like, don't do, don't think, do other I stuff. I think he probably gets close to, like, 20, 22. I feel like at that point, then, what's stopping him from, like, playing with Julius? Like, I, I mean, Tibbs was, I mean, some people would say that Tibbs is, is the defense. It's the lack of a true rim protector, right? I mean, like, but we've, like, seen him go to it. Though. Like, we've seen him go to it in, like, some stretches, but at the same time, like, I think if he shot better, then, like, Tibbs would be more creative. I think Tibbs just, like, wants shooting, and it's, like, shooting from his fours and shooting in his lineups from, like, not bigs. And even though Julius is not doing it this year, mm-hmm. like, it's Julius, so, like, you have to play him. You have to justify the contract. He's still your best player. Uh, but, yeah, like, I think if Obi shot, Obi would probably be more of a prevalent in the lineup. Because I think he, I think Tibbs weirdly has like a really big thing on shooting. So you had Keegan ahead of Tari, if I'm not mistaken. I had, um, I had did I? Let me check. Uh, yeah, I had Keegan ahead of Tari. And for us, it was it went Tari, Duran, and then Keegan. I mean, same tier, whatever. But uh, why, 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 why preference over Tari? 
I don't know, man. I just think Keegan. <laughs> like, Keegan. What do I say about Keegan that, like, makes sense? Uh, I feel like Keegan just, like, better at, like, assuming usage right now. I'd argue that. I think he's better at assuming usage. I think he's more he's more efficient. He's better at assuming usage. And he also can, like, he has the wiring. I think you have to, like, give Tari, like, you have to tell Tari, hey, Tari, do a little more. I think with Keegan, he can come and do it immediately. I will say, even though I have Tari ahead of Keegan, that is 100% true. And to me, the biggest, like, with Tari, there's definitely actual skill things that he really does need to work on. Like, he can pass, but he doesn't pass. He is never, he doesn't go left often and kind of hates using his left. And he's not particularly good at it. And he's going to need to fix that. So those are things, those are like skill things that, you know, you could work on. You could talk about his shot and his handle, tightening up both, blah, blah, blah. But the real thing with Tari is, like, the nature of his usage, and I don't mean usage usage percentage. I mean, like, on the court, he will sometimes drift in space. And that's on both ends, which, like, it confounds the mind how he gets, like, a zillion stocks despite tuning out for legit stretches of the game and you know he'll let guys box him out or he'll forget to box out or sometimes he'll get beat in transition or jog in transition and on offense he is upright like all the time and it's kind of annoying to me but Keegan the guy is always on his on setting is I mean he falls asleep off ball but like all these guys fall asleep off ball somewhat so like you never have to worry about any of that shit with Keegan. Like, he's always engaged with the game when he's off the ball, when he's on the ball, even on defense. So, I, I could see, you know, it's easy for us to be like, oh, Tari's tools, his free throw rate is spectacular. He gets downhill, and he's athletic way more than Keegan. All of that is true, but, like, I, I could not fault a coach or a front office for, you know, having them neck and neck and being like, the the wiring is the difference maker. Uh, I'm just going to go with that. Yeah. Like, I think I'm starting to like care about wiring more. And as I say mm-hmm. that, uh, Johnny Davis fucking bricked the three. Come on. Uh, but yeah, like wiring just matters a lot. I feel like I've kind of learned that with RJ. I'm just like, some dudes are just like wired to win and have like insatiable desire to be good. And, like, they just aren't always on. Like, even if they fall asleep, they're on. And you know that they're giving their best. Damn, Wisconsin cannot fucking shoot. Uh, <laughs> Dude, they're, they're, this is the thing with Johnny. I think they were, like, I, I, I sorted it by three-point percentage, which isn't the best proxy for spacing. Because, you know, you could take, you could have, you could be like the Knicks and shoot good from three, but not take it many. Or, like, the Knicks last year, rather, and not take many. But... They were like 275th in the country in three point percentage. So yeah, but by the dip. <laughs> um, yeah, Johnny. Johnny might you know he he might be loving the NBA, bro. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I think it'd be fun. But um, back to Tari Keegan. Like someone, like, I think wiring matters, and like if you're always on, I feel like there's a better chance of you like sticking around more if you're always on rather than you being like wildly talented but like having mental lapses. So, yeah, yeah, but Tari just like, sometimes he just like, I love the tools. I love the upside. I buy him as a player, 
But, like, sometimes you can't, like, fall asleep for, like, long-ass stretches. Especially when you're, like, the most prevalent guy on your team. Yeah, I'm... It's so crazy to me, because, like, I, I look at... I'm looking at their per 100 possessions for field goals. Because that's, to me, a good measure of, like, like how much... I mean, usage is a good measure of how much you're involved in the offense. But so is field goals per 100. Is like, are you getting them up when you're in? And it's not that big of a difference between them. Keegan is 28 and Tari is 25. But it just feels like like Tari's are packed into small stretches where Keegan's are more relentless. And that's one of those things where I'm like, is that is the is the aesthetics chipping me up here? And maybe it's not as big of a difference as I picture it to be in terms of their their wiring on offense? Is it just LSU's weird offense that it's shitty? Like, is that part of the reason I think that Keegan can, like you said, uh, I, I really like the term you use, assume usage readily. I don't know. It's a uh, it's really it's really tricky and I don't, I mean Keegan, I I, I wouldn't, I, I don't even think he's going to make it to the next pick to be honest, because I think other oh, teams are going to just he, oh, he won't. snap him up. He absolutely won't. Unless we go on like, a massive losing streak, which is not going to happen. We're probably going to yeah. like 10, 11, 12. So. Yeah, and like, I kind of put him in that, how you described Ty. He's just like a, he, he plays a four in college, but he's just like a wing to me. Like he three. He's, he's in there with his brother half the time, and they're like the same size. And I I mean, in the game they played versus Wisconsin, when, was, when Johnny Davis scored 37, Johnny Davis was doing a lot of his damage when Keegan wasn't on him, but they put Keegan on him for stretches of the game. And like, I kind of, yeah, I kind of expected him to be a little bit more lumbering when I first started watching Iowa. Um, He's quick. He's because he can can absolutely play the three like day one. Like he's quick. And and he can shoot it. So you're not worried about like originally my, you know, when his three point percentage was lower, people were like, Oh, can you shoot it? And I'm like, that thing looks pretty good. And then, you know, now he's ending the year at 40% on nine threes per 100. So, um, yeah, like I would have no trouble playing him next to Julius or next to RJ or what, and just letting them just be like positionless duos. Um, I'd be super cool with that. All right. We've pretty much covered top. 10. Uh, we got to talk about Dern a little bit, but... Um, don't draft big stop then. Where's the Stacey Patton? <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind taking him in the right situation, but it's a very narrow... Like, we'd have to already have hammered home, like, a surefire Mitch deal that's, that's good. And even then, like, I, w- I wouldn't want Dern to be the starting center on year one, because usually... Yeah. Bigs take about three years to cook. If you look at even the good, the really good ones, anybody who's like outside of the top three, for example, like Okongu, he's probably going to finally get minutes next year, year three. Bam, took three years. Yeah, like, so, I, I just don't see Duran fitting in this team unless, like, hey, like you have to get rid of Sims. And, like, I kind of I like Sims. Like, I feel like Sims is good enough to be like your third energy big, especially on this team. Like, Sims just takes like 10 to 12 minutes a game. Mitch gets around 30, and then like the rest of it is small ball. Just, There's no way if the team keeps Mitch, they would take Darren. That's not going to happen. Exactly. So like, it basically comes down to like, do you think you keep Mitch? I think they'll keep Mitch. I don't see a path for Darren. Uh, do you want to talk about our favorite point guard in the draft? 
that's get, that gets mocked to us every single time. Oh yeah, let's close on Tai Tai because um, I, I do the game. The game did the game already start? I do want to catch this game. Um, but yes, Tai Tai. Everybody mocks it. Like I love Tai Tai. Stop fucking mocking Tai Tai Washington to the Knicks. It's, it's so lazy. It's so like he would be the fourth best guard in this roster. Legitimately, like I don't even think that's our argument at this point. Like Rokas is better than him. I buy Deuce more. I feel like you look at like Tai Tai and you you look at Deuce, especially with um from their last college seasons. They're basically even, but Tai Tai was like worse as a shooter, and Deuce was just better. Like Deuce was basically better, especially with the defensive end. Like and quickly, he's just better than all of them. I, I just don't see a path for Tai Tai to be getting us on this team. And I don't see a path for Tai Tai to like be a difference maker. There's I. I, I truly think there's no chance the Knicks draft Ty Ty. Like, I know... Kentucky. Like, yeah. The Kentucky blah, blah, blah. We need a point guard, but, like, they have guys on the roster. This team would... I would I'm would. i 100% sure Tibbs would prefer just running back Alec Burks and quickly and the same group he has now, using them even in the same annoying ways to, like, having to deal with Ty Ty. And not because Ty Ty's bad, but he's not... He's not a Tibbs guard. He doesn't get downhill like that, and... IQ has earned his minutes and his on-ball reps through sheer force of being an incredible shooter and then now finally getting downhill more. So it took like, two years, we did it. We did it. We finally yeah, it, did it. We made it. We made it. So, like, and, you know, maybe Ty Ty does something similar. He has very good handles, so, like, it could very well happen. But it just doesn't make any sense. Like, I... I the fit is legitimately horrendous. It's, it's easily the player most impacted by Nick-specific factors in the whole lottery for us. I, I'm pretty confident saying that. Yeah, like Kennedy Chandler, Ty Ty Washington, Gene Montero, if you're that kind of guy. Just, just no. Like, we don't need any more guards. Like, do we don't need more, like, guards who... Or combo guards in this team, really. Like, we don't. Yeah. The only... Guard, I will allow us to take is my son Alondis, and only yeah. if they do it with a later pick, not their main pick, as much as I love him. So, all right, cool. Well, that pretty much wraps up the top 10 plus a little bit more. Um, we'll uh continue working through other parts. Maybe I'll get one of the other guys, maybe we'll get Tyrese back. You'll have to tune in and see. Um, Tyrese, thank you for jamming a uh, little overtime here, clocking in around 45 50 minutes. Um, any any last thoughts about the the Knicks? Well, I'll ask you this before we wrap up. Do you where do you think there's the possibility of the most change in our Knicks specific big board? If you had to guess between now and the draft, because last year and the year before, I feel like there's some some decent shakeups, but it usually wasn't like in the tip top. I don't see a shakeup happening. Yeah, less so this year, you think? Yeah, I just think, like, the draft, like, I would say like, the draft is probably weaker. No, I think this is probably the weak draft in the last three years, which is weird because, like, Chet, Jabari, Bankero, Ivy. But, mm-hmm. like, outside of that, that top four, and even that top four, like, I wouldn't take, I would still take a Lamello and guys oh, like yeah. that over. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't see much of a shakeup, honestly. Unless, like, somebody goes absolutely off in, like, March Madness, but, like, Ah, ah, yeah. I, I think it's probably be a pretty static board. I don't see a lot of change. Yeah, there's no one really left to go. Off. Like the only people who can go off are like Matherin and Davis, and they've probably pretty much been just going off for like the last month. Yeah, anyway. And, and, Ma- and uh, Davis is probably about to get clapped by Iowa State. So 
Yeah, exactly. So unless like Shaden goes like crazy in workouts. Yeah. Yeah, but even Shaden's already projected in that like five to eight range. So yeah, so I mean, he could break into the top four. Sure, that's not that's not really a shakeup though. That's just like yeah, that that's probably the most you could get is those like Pat Williams type rises late. You know, someone like Keegan or Tari or Shaden destroy workouts, hit like a zillion threes, and move up a couple spots. That's probably the most you get. By the Walker Kessler bump. Man, <laughs> man, Walker, I love Walker, just not for us. <laughs> by the bump, by the bump. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want that ugly ass shot, bro. Ah oh, man, he looks like Doug McDermott's son. I think it. Large, very large sun. He looked like if Doug McDermott fused with like a frost giant or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right. On that note, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap us up. Tyrese, thank you as usual for joining on short notice. Uh, tell the folks where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at Ashwini Poo on Twitter. Uh, not Direct all your hate for his bad takes to Ashwini Poo. You heard him. Yeah, London is there on Twitter. Uh, I tweet about the Mets now. This is a Steve Cohen stan account now, so if you want basketball takes, follow me at underscore presidente instead. Thank you everybody for joining us. I'm Josh Strickland and we will catch you next time. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wall and drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wall and wherever you get your podcasts.